Can We Fix Healthcare? This is Dr. Larry Casco, host of the Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM157. I was recently at the Society for Innovative Medical Practice Design in Las Vegas, Nevada, and had a chance to sit down with some of the keynote speakers, and let's listen in and see what happened. My guest today is Stephen Knoop. He is author of Concierge Medicine, A New System to Get the Best Healthcare. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for having me. Well, I guess the first question is, what inspired you to write this book? Why did you feel the need to write it? Well, I had to give this question some thought because my website designer was asking me the same thing. And so after about five minutes, she said, well, basically, you want to change the world. And I said, yes. I could have just run my concierge practice successfully in Tucson, but I really wanted to try to change the healthcare system and to wake doctors up and wake patients up to another option out there. How long has the book been out? The book's been out two weeks, so it's right off the presses. And uh, how are you doing on Amazon? Pretty well on Amazon. Really? Yeah, <laughs> we're not doing badly at all. So are there non-physicians buying this book? There are a lot of patients buying the book. Physicians are buying the book. It was written really for patients as a guide to what concierge medicine is all about. However, the physicians who have read this, Tom Legrelius, uh, the president of SIMPD, has called this a must-reading for anyone involved in healthcare. And the, the reason for that is it just explains this paradigm shift, returning to days where we contracted directly with patients instead of having third-party payers. In the book, you talk a lot about one of the role models that I used to go into medicine, in addition to Hawkeye from MASH, it was Marcus Welby. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, his partner was kind of cool, too, right. but I don't drive a motorcycle. <laughs> okay. So you talk in the book about, you know, what happened to Marcus Welby. So what do you think happened to Marcus Welby? Well, you know, the first chapter of the book is literally entitled, Who Killed Marcus Welby, MD? And I think there really were three assassins. The first was HMOs and third-party payers. The second was Medicare. And the third is a malpractice crisis. If you remove the third-party payer from the system, if you remove Medicare from the system, then you've just got one. And so what I'm suggesting is that by the end of the chapter, Marcus Welby is not, in fact, dead. He's just been on life support. He's coming back. Have you been able to resurrect him personally? I mean, in your practice, do you I, feel like you are he? Well, I mean, I, it's a pretty high, uh, it's a pretty high mark. Right. But um, and do you have Consuelo working? With I, you? I don't have Consuelo, and, and I don't have a Steve Kiley. But anybody who's out there who wants to move to Tucson, I am looking for a young associate. But I have, and I have to tell you that I feel incredibly lucky to have discovered a way to practice medicine on my own terms, to deliver what I consider to be very good care to my patients, and I'm in control of my professional life. I love it. I love practicing internal medicine. Were you one of those guys that was burnt out before? I was. You know, I did the chief of medicine thing at a 400-bed hospital. I railed against the system. I was on the front page of my local newspaper eight times trying to reform the system, fighting HMOs, seeing 30, 40 patients a day. And I was very much burned out and disheartened. And I felt like after going through all of this training to be working 12, 16 hours a day delivering substandard care because I had no time was really not a very good reward for all the time and effort I'd put into it. When you made your switch to this style of practice, did you do it by yourself? Did you use a consultant? Did you use one of the megalith companies? 
Yeah, I didn't. I'm, I'm sort of fiercely independent, and I looked at what the consultants were offering me. As soon as my name started showing up in the press, I would get calls from these large companies saying, we can make you bulletproof. We can prevent lawsuits. We can prevent all kinds of problems. And I took that information to my attorneys, and I said, look, is there anything these people are really offering other than being another middleman? And we concluded that they weren't. So, you know, we've been in bed with the insurance companies, and now come these consultants say we're going to save you, and yet they're inserting themselves in the middle again. Precisely, precisely. So, you know, this is a very, very simple business model. You simply develop your own plan to contract directly with physicians. You need an attorney, of course, to help you go over contracts and things of that nature, but you certainly don't need another middleman to hire your staff or to pretend that they're going to make you bulletproof. What were you able to do in terms of trimming your overhead and staff when you made the change? It's really quite wonderful. Instead of having three or four staff members, uh, many of whom were hired just to chase insurance companies and try to recover our payments, I now have one employee. She's a wonderful person. My staff, my patients love her. So I've gone from three or four employees to one, and uh, all of the overhead has been streamlined now. So that one person answers phones escorts patients back are they medical in nature? I mean, can they do vitals? Do they do everything? Well, it's interesting. You know, I ended up firing my my back office person altogether because, like many docs, you probably figure out that, uh, you know, your back office person has a fight with her husband or wife the night before. They're not really paying attention. They write down the meds as if they've never changed. They take a blood pressure, which you have to repeat anyhow. So I figured out that I could easily uh, take down the medication list myself, take my own vital signs, and save one employee. So I literally have one employee in my practice. And what happens when that one employee calls in sick? Well, my wife is a registered nurse, and Uh, she's been with me for quite some time, knows how the practice works, so she can step in. So I'm a little fortunate that way. Let's get back to the book. Do you like the title concierge medicine, or do you prefer the new model they're going towards, which is called direct practice? Well, I think the term direct practice is more accurate, but I like the term concierge medicine for the book because it's controversial, and once people get riled up one way or the other, then we can start to have an honest conversation about what's wrong with health care. I personally don't believe that a single-party payer system is going to solve our medical crisis. I think that direct practices are a big part of the solution. I wouldn't be so simplistic or naive as to say that it's going to solve all of our problems. But it's a start, and it's an important piece of the equation. So I like the term because it creates controversy. And then we can talk about really what we need to do in the system to make it better. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I'm sitting here in Las Vegas at the Society for Innovative Medical Practice Design with the author of the book, Concierge Medicine, Dr. Stephen Knoop. Stephen, in the book, you talk a lot about how people are really, they're really hesitant to pay for investing in their health, and you talk about how people will pay attorney fees, accounting fees, money management fees, yet but people just don't get it that you have to pay to play. you got to invest in your health care. And so the fee that you charge is really not anything more than anyone who's 
you know, monitoring a portfolio. Absolutely. I draw an analogy to financial wealth, and I tell people that if you look at your health as an asset, and it truly is, it's in fact your most precious asset. So why would you pretend that that doesn't require some kind of investment on your part? Many of the patients who helped me get started in this were in fact very successful financial folks or business people who said, look, I pay an accountant, I pay a lawyer, I would like to pay my doctor as a healthcare advisor. I think what happens in all things in society is you kind of start at the higher income level of folks and then it begins to trickle down a little bit. I mean, the first car was not affordable for everyone, but then all of a sudden Henry Ford, you know, makes the Model T. And I think that's how I see concierge medicine. Smart people, as you said, who pay accountants, who pay lawyers, understand that it's worth paying to protect their health, which is their most precious asset. I think as time goes on, that'll filter down to the middle class and, and they'll realize how important it is to get good health care. Well, the critics of this style of practice say it is elitist and it is only for the wealthy. Can you refute that? Well, absolutely. You know, an entire chapter of the book, Chapter 8, is devoted to this topic. It's called What's Wrong with Concierge Medicine? And when I opened the first practice in Tucson seven years ago, there was a front page story and one of the professors at the University of Arizona said, quote, this is boutique medicine at its mercenary worst. You know, what I would say is that to doctors who take that position. If you run a practice where you see 30 or 40 patients a day and you contract with HMOs knowing full well that they are limiting care, they are rationing care to your patients so that their stockholders on Wall Street can make a profit, are you really going to tell me that that is the gold standard of ethical care, whereas me contracting directly with a patient is somehow unethical? In other words, it makes no sense. If you tell me that you can do a great job in this HMO model, seeing patients every seven to eight minutes, and that there's no conflict of interest, I would respectfully disagree. How do you run your practice? There's different models. Do you charge patients for each office visit, or does the retainer fee cover everything? In my model, and I go through the models in the book, but in my model, I have an annual retainer fee, which is 6000 a year for an individual or 10000 for a couple, and that's toward the higher end of fees for concierge physicians. Patients then do not pay me in addition to that for visits. So if they see me once a year for a physical, um, and I, believe me, I have some folks like that. I just can't get them in except for an annual physical. They just want me available. But whether I see them once a year or whether I see them 20 or 30 times or spend two weeks with them in the ICU, the retainer fee is the same. It all comes out in the wash. You mentioned that if necessary, you'll jump on a plane with them that you've done that. That's probably not the norm, but what was that story about? Where was this patient taking you on the plane? It sort of makes for an interesting story, and again, I don't get on private jets all the time, but I had a patient who uh, developed a pulmonary nodule, which we biopsied, and it was a spindle cell neoplasm, and the pathologist at the University of Arizona could not make a diagnosis. So I was able to find a specialty pathologist at MD Anderson. He made a diagnosis of a non-pigmented rare melanoma. We went out and saw Wen Jen Hu, who is one of the leading melanoma experts in the world. We flew out in the private jet, did the consultation, and came back. Armed with that knowledge, I was able to act as its advocate through the system, find an oncologist in Tucson to interface with them, to deal with this on a much more personal level, as opposed to simply having him fly to MD Anderson, get a diagnosis, and then have no follow-up care or no, no continuity. 
Stephen, we're almost out of time. Last question, I guess, is would you say that concierge medicine is definitely the wave of the future? Is it a fringe wave of the future? Or is this something that you believe is the only way to practice? The leading question. <laughs> I think it's definitely the wave of the future for many people. Look, the most interesting thing about this, Larry, is that people who are driving the system are really the patients. Um, it was patients who came to me who said, please change your practice. Please offer me a practice where you can be available, where I can have more of your time. And so what's driving this is not a bunch of doctors who've got a pie-in-the-sky idea, but patients who are saying that the current system is, is terribly broken and unacceptable to us the way it is. Well, Stephen Knoop, congratulations on your book. It's entitled Concierge Medicine, A New System to Get the Best Healthcare, and thanks for sitting down with me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to the Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable. If you'd like to comment or listen to any of our library of podcasts, please visit our website at reachmd.com. Once there, if you register with the promo code RADIO, we will give you six months free of streaming ReachMD. You can listen to day or night. And thanks for listening. This is Dr. William Jesse, President and CEO of the Medical Group Management Association. And you've been listening to ReachMD, XM Channel 157, the channel for medical professionals.